no one can compete with Edmonton's facilities, especially Calgary. Like, what are they going to say? Oh, hey, guys, welcome to Calgary. Uh, so normally we have the stampede and there's where the horses shit and there's where the fucking cows shit. And like, really? <laughs> That's where the guys throw up over there. And uh, here's where you can leave your wedding ring and, and uh, fuck around on your wife for here's 10 where, days. Here's and, where Alexis oh, yeah. Fruling got that, that chipmunk sex from that guy, like, you know, right from behind, like right behind that building over there. You're listening to Unscripted with Mike and Chris, brutally honest sports talk. And now, here is Mike Jansen. As we start this 510th episode of Unscripted with Mike and Chris, we kind of need to start on some sad news as we have lost a couple more people from the wonderful and wacky world of sports this last week. Is it just me or have there been a lot of, and not just because of what I'm going through, but there seems to be a lot of obituaries lately. I mean, obviously because of coronavirus, but uh, we've lost a couple of more names from the world of sports the last uh, couple of days. Um, Earlier this week, legendary Hall of Fame coach of the Utah Jazz for 23 years, Jerry Sloan. He was a coach for 26 years. He coached his his, uh, Chicago Bulls for three years before getting fired and then going out west and taking over the controls of the Utah Jazz for 23 years. He passed away at the age of 78. He was third all-time in the NBA in wins. And, uh, you know, here's a guy, never won a championship. That's unfortunate because, as you see, as you go through this uh, last dance scenario, the last two victims of Michael Jordan's happen to be the Utah Jazz, coached by Jerry Sloan and led by Carmelone and John Stockton. And the last two Jordan titles, numbers five and six, were both at the expense of the Utah Jazz. But uh, Jerry Sloan was a great coach. Again, third all-time in the NBA in wins behind Don Nelson and Lenny Wilkins. And he passes away earlier this week at the age of 78. And just yesterday, Saturday, former college basketball coach Eddie Sutton died at the age of 84. The only coach in NC2A history to take four different universities to the NCAA's uh, big dance. He took the Creighton Blue Jays, the University of Arkansas, Oklahoma State, and the University of Kentucky to the big dance. He was to be inducted into the Basketball Hall of Fame this summer, but unfortunately it will be done with uh, Coach Sutton not in attendance as, uh, again, he died on Saturday at the age of 84. So we pass along our best thoughts and wishes to both of these iconic coaches from the wonderful and wacky world of sports. A lot of things to get at, folks, and we're, we're kind of sitting here waiting to see what's going to happen next in regard to when are we, uh, these teams, going to be uh, allowed to restart again in leagues like the NBA and the National Hockey League, and when are they going to start, if they start at all, in Major League Baseball and the National Football League. And I want to talk about the NHL first because they seem to be the most most progressive. Um, Every time you hear uh, Gary Bettman talk or Bill Daly talk, they're not even thinking about canceling the season. They seem to be balls to the walls to getting a champion crowned. And with that background, it's, it's good to know that the National Hockey League Players Association voted to approve a 24-team conference-based playoff format for a potential restart of the 2019-2020 season this summer. 
Under this plan, the top four seeds in each conference would receive buys through a round of five play in series featuring seeds five through 12. Those play-in series would determine which teams advance to a traditional 16-team Stanley Cup playoff bracket, which would have seven-game series. And the top four seeds in each conference would be in the Eastern Conference, Boston's one, Tampa Bay's two, Washington is three, Philadelphia's four. In the Western Conference, the defending Stanley Cup champions, St. Louis Blues, are one, Colorado two, Vegas three, Dallas four. And then in the play-in series, you'd have the five-seeded Pittsburgh Penguins taking on the 12th-seeded Montreal Canadiens, the six-seeded Carolina Hurricanes taking on the 11th-seeded New York Rangers, the seventh-seeded New York Islanders against the 10th-seeded Florida Panthers, and the eight-seeded Toronto Maple Leafs against the ninth-seeded Columbus Blue Jackets. In the West, you'd have the fifth-seeded Edmonton Oilers hosting the 12th-seeded Chicago Blackhawks, the sixth-seeded Nashville Predators against the 11th-seeded Arizona Coyotes, the seventh-seeded Vancouver Canucks versus the 10th-seeded Minnesota Wild, and rounding out the play-in seeds in the West, you'd have the eighth-seeded Calgary Floodplain Flames taking on the ninth-seeded Winnipeg Jets. For the other seven teams, Ottawa, Detroit, LA, Anaheim, San Jose, your season's done. Put a fork in them, they're done. It's right. They had to obviously run this through the National Hockey League hierarchy. And surprisingly to me, the Tampa Bay Lightning was one of two teams to vote against the 2014 playoff format. They felt as an organization that the proposal gives an unfair advantage to some teams. They are having a hard time with the fact that certain teams probably wouldn't have made the playoffs, i.e. Chicago and Montreal, they would have a chance to make the playoffs in a best-of-five series. I don't understand why Tampa Bay has a problem with this. They're in. They're a top seed. They don't have to play in the play-in series. I don't quite understand why John Cooper... And uh, I don't even know who the general manager is anymore that Iserman went to Detroit, don't know in Tampa Bay. I don't know why the Lightning would have, an, would have a problem with this. But regardless, it looks like we have a workable solution. Uh, I would imagine there, no, there have no, you know, there's still things to work out logistically more than anything. Are they going to play in Edmonton? Are they going to play in wherever? What city are they going to play? The premier of Alberta is all hot to trot about getting these games, at least the Western Conference games up in Edmonton, which would be cool for us. Um, And I think it would be great with the facilities that they have available in Edmonton, but a lot still to be figured out. But I think, I think, knock on wood, that we're making some progress. Well, the Tampa Bay Lightning, obviously, they're still sort of getting cold feet about the whole big stage here because they just embarrassed themselves last year after having one of the most dominant regular seasons in history and then getting just absolutely swept in the first round. I mean, that was just, you know, and then by John Tortorella of all people as well. I mean, it couldn't have been more of a disaster for them. They're trying to avoid it. Uh, But for Edmonton, yes, you know what? The Oilers brass have really put on a great presentation. They went with sort of a lifestyle type of a presentation. So what they showed was, hey, we're ready for you. We have the best arena in the world. We're all set. They've secured a private golf course for only the players to use. Like they're like, hey, come here. You're going to love it. They've got like a private 
movie facility or something like they they're going all the way with this and you know what just thinking about this as you said this this is a great potential recruiting tool for the edmonton oilers organization yes it's oh it's brilliant it's, it's brilliant beautiful. it's beautiful it's now see they wouldn't think about this in cowtown because <sighs> a gonna, it's cowtown what are you gonna show b them? you got a shitty arena but that's really good forward thinking by the uh, Oilers Entertainment Group, and obviously you've got to think Ken Holland has something to do with this and, and anybody else associated. Oh, but yeah. I just thought about this. Boom. Thought in my head, what a potential great recruiting thing. Uh, you get, and maybe it's just the Western Conference teams, but regardless, you get the Western Conference teams and they see the uh, some of the advantages of playing in Edmonton. I think this is a great idea by the Oilers, and I hope that uh, it comes to fruition for damn sure because, hey, we're only 200 and some miles up the road where we could watch a lot of hockey games. Well, they're only, uh, I'm sorry. Well, they're always doing this when it comes to recruiting. They just want to get the prospects in the door. That's all they want to do. If they have free agents they want to sign or whatever, just like, look, because a lot of guys are just like, well, you know, uh, rink's a rink and whatever. Right. And then you get there, it's like, wow, state of the art, just built, amazing first class amenities and just a spectacular thing the whole ice district the best fans and just you know it's 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 incredible right so yeah you just want to get them in the door and you're right it's a brilliant recruiting tool and the it's weird because edmonton in the summer it's almost a drawing card that especially for hosting this thing that the temperatures are not going to be too hot right right it's going to be summer in june or july or whatever it should it'll be summer but the weather is not insane it's not like trying to host uh you know nhl playoffs in florida in right. july or something and you had I, you'd have ice condition concerns oh, yeah. about the ice condition you won't have that in edmonton we well edmonton's always been known for having the best ice anyway right for sure and now i mean now it would really come in handy if it's really hot outside and you need the best guys in the world like edmonton's main ice guy i don't know if it's the same guy anymore but at one point edmonton's ice guy would have to go help other arenas sometimes because sure. he was the best in the business right so right. Yeah, I mean, I th there's no doubt that Edmonton is going to either host the whole thing or be a hub city, and the guys who play there are going to have a great time and just have a really good experience. The best facilities, the best amenities, private golf course, movie theater, you name it, it'll have the whole thing. And it's honestly, whoever else is a hub city is going to have a lot to live up to. Otherwise, all you're going to hear about is how they're crap compared to Edmonton, right. and that's the last thing they want. But you can't just suddenly prop up a new billion-dollar arena in two months, right? So... What, I feel kind of bad for whoever else it is because no one can compete with Edmonton's facilities, especially Calgary. Like, what are they going to say? Oh, hey, guys, welcome to Calgary. Uh, so normally we have the stampede and there's where the horses shit and there's where the fucking cows shit. And like, really? <laughs> That's where the guys throw up over there. And uh, here's where you can leave your wedding ring and... and uh Fuck around on your wife for here's 10 where, days. Here's and, where Alexis oh, yeah. Fruling got that, that chipmunk sex from that guy, like, you know, right from behind, like right behind that building over there. Well, for lucky Mayor Nenshi won't be listening to this episode of Unscripted because the truth hurts, pal. Um, wow. A lot of things to talk about. I want to mix and match a little bit of everything here, and I want to go next to the NBA just with this one brief uh, update, if you will. And this is why I think that... Uh, the NBA ultimately will get something done because the NBA seemingly has a real trust, meaning the N NBA Players Association, the labor, has a real trust in current commissioner Adam Silver. I think there's no doubt about that anymore. But the NBA has entered talks with the Walt Disney Company about resuming its season at Disney's ESPN Wide World of Sports Complex in Orlando for a uh, target date of late July. 
And uh, they've got the facilities there. There are arenas that are on this property. This is a 220-acre property that ESPN owns uh, adjacent to the Walt Disney World, you know, the theme park down in Orlando, Florida. Um, they would have, everything would be inside. And as Chris uses the, the term, the bubble, that's what this is. They have the facilities. There's a, uh, like Edmonton, there's a golf course there for exclusive use for the athletes. Um, but they would be off kind of sequestered in their own little world over there. And I ultimately think the NBA is going to get back to action someday. I truly believe that. I think the NFL is going to start at the right time. I, I truly believe that. But I do have a belief and maybe I'm the only one that thinks this. I don't think I'm the only one. But I truly believe that Major League Baseball, I don't think Major League Baseball is going to get started this year as we switch gears real quick to Major League Baseball. I think you've still got the residue hangover of the Astros and Red Sox cheating bullshit. I think that you've got poor leadership with Robbie Manfred at the Major League Baseball level. And I think that... Of all the seasons that have been stopped or never got started due to coronavirus, Major League Baseball is the one most likely not to start again because it seems to me that the money issue between the players and ownership is seemingly too great to overcome. I don't see the Major League Baseball Players Association accepting the league's financial proposal, which includes a 50-50 split of all revenues moving forward. And if you've got guys like Blake Schnell and Bryce Harper saying that they're not going to play unless they get the full money owed to them on the contracts that they signed. I don't think there's a real strong possibility that we will see Major League Baseball in 2020. I've been reading what a lot of really smart people have to say about the COVID-19 pandemic and the coronavirus and, and what the long-term effects are. And one guy I read just had a really brilliant take on it. And he says it's not that COVID-19 is going to ruin things. It's just like pressing the fast forward button. People that might have gotten divorced in 10 years would get divorced now. Businesses that would fail in a few years will fail now. It's not that they were never going to fail and this has ruined it. They had a brilliant business plan. No, they could have held on a bit long. Pier 1 Imports just closed, right? Right. I know a... Victoria's Secrets just closed. Oh, no. I know. Well, they should hopefully online only still, but <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> since that's where people are really perusing. <laughs> oh, I go to the store by myself <laughs> in my trench coat. Yeah. yeah that's uh -huh. funny. Uh, but this is a great example with baseball. So in the NHL, you have Gary Bettman saying, you know, we I haven't even contemplated shutting right. down the season. And as much as he gets booed, you have the players going along with what he's suggesting. And he is known as a guy who's ready for all contingencies all the time. Anyone who's ever worked with Gary Bettman says he is ready for everything all the time. And he will plan it out if he needs to. And then you've got basketball, where they completely trust in the leadership of Adam Silver. All the players, just kind of like in the days with Michael Jordan and David Stern, it's just like, hey, you know what? We trust this guy. He's proven himself. He's earned our respect and our loyalty. Whatever he says, we're going to go along with it. We trust him. Uh, and then in football, you don't like Goodell, and they're fortunate with the timing that this may not affect them much or at right. all. So it's not an issue there. So all you're left with is baseball, showing why it is the distant number four in the big four professional sports in North America. And it couldn't be a better microcosm than this. You have Robbie Manfred, who doesn't lead at all. He's he just does nothing. He can't even he can't even take a first round pick in a meaningless draft 
from teams that have done something horribly. He can't punish anybody. He can't do anything. He's just useless. He doesn't earn a dollar of his money. And then you have the players who have been so spoiled with no parity, you know, top-end teams, a luxury tax, which means nothing, and you just get more and more greed. And they don't trust the owners. The owners don't trust them. And no one trusts the commissioner. No one trusts anybody. There's no process. It's like covering boxing. Like it's just the most dysfunctional system where it's all these competing self-interests and nobody gets along and no one works together. And it's a complete joke. And we are seeing now what the result is going to be. You have the other leagues not even considering shutting down. And then you have baseball where it looks like they can't get out of their own way long enough to have a season even if they wanted to. You have guys like Bryce Harper and Schnell or whatever saying that they wouldn't even take pay in uh, commensurate with what the revenues are they just no you just have to pay me everything whether i play or not. like it's unbelievable and what i hope happens is you get to the point where the whole league just collapses and all the 400 million dollar contracts are just void and and now you get 100 percent of nothing so fuck you well you know i think it's it's really telling and i love the way that you just described that you did it beautifully but it's really, isn't it something, think about it. Again, just another idea popped in my head. Boop, idea. You've got guys that have accomplished something at the highest level of their chosen profession, i.e. LeBron James, Tom Brady, i.e. Oh, I don't know, plethora of hockey players. But all I'm saying is that in these three leagues that I've just mentioned, you don't have any players making any noise. You know, and and again, I I go back saying that the guys that I've mentioned, especially LeBron, has won championships, led teams to championship finals. These two guys that seem to be the poster child of rich, bratty, entitled, prick children, Blake Snell and Bryce Harper, have done nothing in their careers. Nothing. Now, Snell is is a... Cy Young winner, and he pitches for the smallest of small market teams in Major League Baseball, the Tampa Bay Rays. I get that, but still he comes off as an elitist jerk. Bryce Harper has done zip, zero, niche, null, nada, absolutely nothing. All he's done is collect a big paycheck, but he's never led a team to the playoffs. He leaves Washington, and the Nationals get better. And win a World Series. <laughs> That's so funny. How is that? That's amazing. And yet, the other leagues that I mentioned, the NBA, the National Hockey League, and the NFL, you've got players that probably could bitch about the circumstances that they're in, but they don't. But here we've got Robbie Manfred's league, and two guys that are the poster child leaving the, leading the bitch brigade are two guys that have accomplished jack fuck all in their professional careers. I think right there is very telling about the status of those three leagues that are kind of keeping their mouths shut, whereas you've got Robbie Manfred's league over there showing why and showing all the bad things about sports in this day and age. Yeah, no one's going to be sad if baseball collapses at this point, I don't think. I mean, how bad would that look if they don't have a season but everyone else does? And mm. it's just, it's unforgivable. It's its It couldn't be worse. Like, who... Who can fire Rob Manfred? Just the owners? Owners could fire him, for sure. The bosses, the Rob Manfred, Robbie Manfred's bosses are the 30, 31, whatever, major league owners. See, normally, when there's not a pandemic or anything like that, 
you know, the I feel like there's there's so much inertia in sports. Owners just kind of go along with whatever, and they don't like to make any big moves, and then they're kind of lazy and stupid. And here, though, I mean, if their bottom line's affected, if you have all the players wanting all this money when there's no revenue coming in, you know, they might actually have, they might actually wake up from their slumber long enough to say, hey, maybe we could find someone who will actually work for a living and put them as the commissioner, maybe. Like, I, I don't really think so still, but maybe it's possible. Maybe start hitting the owners in their wallets. Maybe they might actually, uh, oh, hey, maybe we should, oh, this Manfred guy, maybe he sucks, what? And <laughs> and maybe they'll wake up for just a second and get rid of the piece of shit. But I don't know. I, I still, I'm so down on dumb rich owners who never do anything. They never make any decisions. It always baffles me. Like, how did these guys get rich? And I know a lot of them, it's just, it's just family money and they haven't done shit with their lives, but... Anyone who actually worked their way to the top, it's crazy. You would have had to have made, allegedly, so many tough, big, important decisions, been decisive, been proactive to get to where you are, assuming you haven't just been handed it with a silver spoon. And then to go and you just never seem to make any decisions. You just go, you just keep guys like Goodell and Manfred in there forever and they do nothing and you overpay them. It's it's just shocking and it just seems to reinforce that even the guys that have come up from nothing to be millionaires or billionaires there's a lot of luck involved uh, there really is like life is basically luck and genetics and they got lucky and they seem to prove that all the time every day that rob manfred stays in charge is another day that i know the baseball owners just got lucky to get where they are in life well you know it's funny you had mentioned that the bottom line coronavirus is going to screw with everybody's bottom line there's no question about that but again baseball comes out and makes the announcement that they're going to be losing $604,000 per game that is played without bodies in the stands. Okay, I don't know how you come to the number of $604,000, and I don't care to know. But again, we don't hear this kind of crap from the NBA, the National Hockey League, or Jane Goodell's Husband League. Only from Major League Baseball do we hear this, that they come out and say, we're going to lose $604,000 a game for every game that is played without fans in the stands. Why are you doing that? I mean, everybody, your company, my company, everybody's company has lost something during coronavirus. I don't care what anybody says. It is, that's why they call it a pandemic. I just don't see why baseball feels that they have to tell us this stuff. The average sports fan is smart enough to realize, I would hope, the listeners of Unscripted are smart enough to realize, I know that our listeners are smart enough to know that everybody's losing. There are no winners during the COVID-19 pandemic. There are no winners. And for baseball to come out and show again their pettiness, their entitlement, their a lot of different adjectives. I've run out of I've run out of some of them in regard to my feelings toward the game of baseball, but when they come out and say we're going to lose six hundred and four thousand dollars a game that's not played with uh, that is that is played excuse me without fans that makes them look petty, childish, stupid. Um, just keep your mouth shut and try to figure out a way to get the goddamn game played this year. That's what we need more than anything is to see us get back to some sense of normalcy. And watching a crappy baseball game between the Tampa Bay Rays and the Minnesota Twins might be the closest thing that we get to normalcy. How is 
How is the, you know, and I use this, I use this example. It's not the same in regard to the quality of the game, but the KBO is, is playing baseball games in front of empty houses. And what are they doing? They're just playing the games. They're not bitching about how much they're losing. I just wish Major League Baseball and Robbie Manfred's uh, fraternity would figure out how stupid they look and how needy they look to the rest of the world where everybody else is suffering in some way, shape, or form during this pandemic. And all we get from Major League Baseball is, woe is me, and here's our problems. Go screw yourself. This is the consequence to having a dysfunctional system as you end up having to try to negotiate in public and win the PR war and say, oh, poor me, or we're the victims, or the public should side with us over the greedy players or whatever. You wouldn't have to do all this if you were professional enough to just sit down together and say, here's our plan. Let's work together. Okay, can we agree on this? Let's have a vote. Great. Here we go. Move forward. Let's play some games and get back to life. And they're just so far behind. And, And again, normally... Times are good, and you can have this crap, and it it's just kind of, oh, whatever. But now you can't get away with some of the old crap you used to, and now people are going to call you out on your bullshit. And baseball was already fourth, and just it just seems so irrelevant most of the time, and it's only going to get worse now. If they miss a whole season... Oh. Like, like, I mean, after I mean, we're just... We always are reminded about the 94 strike... Lockout. What what was it again? Strike. Lockout. It was a lockout. It, was a it lock- turned into a strike. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Whatever it was, the the, the stoppage. And now here we are, 25 years later, and they've learned absolutely nothing. And it's worse now because now there's that many fewer players and people who were brought up with baseball as you know the thing to do, the national pastime. There's that many fewer people who care about it. Uh, every society is more multicultural. You have less people that were brought up with baseball. If you don't have an exciting sport that's really appealing, you don't get to coast by on inertia anymore. If people watch the NFL and Major League Baseball, I I really have a hard time believing. And most and let's say these people have never seen either one before. They come over here from another country. I have a hard time believing. Uh, and I'm, and maybe if somebody really likes cricket and baseball is more similar or something, I don't know. But I really don't think most people would take baseball over football if they had to pick one to watch. And there's so much content now. You're fighting against Netflix and all the content. Like we always say, you're competing against content, not just other sports leagues. If you break the habit of the few diehards that are into baseball and you take a year off and every other sport's still going and you're giving them alternatives on top of that, it's it's not like normally baseball has the summer to itself. And if you're not playing, well, they have nowhere else to go other than the CFL or something. But if this time, they're not coming back, or a lot of them aren't. And baseball just keeps putting more nails in their own coffins. And it's like watching a slow-motion car crash. It's unbelievable. And the lack of leadership, at some point, you'd think baseball is just going to completely collapse with salaries too high, revenues too low, and too much dysfunction and no leadership. And we're seeing it happen. And I'm wondering if there will be a day soon when we are saying that there's a big three and not a big four. I think it's closer than uh, people really want to believe, to be honest with you. Um, Before we get out of here on this 510th episode of Unscripted, I do want to quickly switch gears to a story in the National Football League. And we've got a bunch of them, but we still have a couple of episodes to record this week. So I'll just stay with this one NFL story here again in episode 510. Um, You know... (laughs) 
You have heard me on this program talk many times about my hate of Great Falls, Montana. (laughs) And driving through it is like going through the Twilight Zone back in that famous 60s show by Rod Serling. Yeah, that one. Um, ESPN must be very embarrassed. And I have no problem embarrassing ESPN these days because I'm a little bit obviously pissed off with the Alphabet Sports Network because we didn't get the last dance up here on TSN, which is owned, a percentage is owned by ESPN based out of Bristol, Connecticut. I'm a little pissed off today on another topic that here in Canada, we did not get the match, the golf match between Tiger Woods and Peyton Manning versus Turkey Tits, Phil Mickelson and Tom Brady. We're not getting that broadcast live today in Canada, which for a country that is as fanatical about golf as Canada is, you would think that would be more important to Canadians than maybe even seeing the last dance to this American that's living in Canada, but I digress. ESPN, though, must be very embarrassed because they took a lot of flack for the hiring of this guy last year, and he has rewarded them with by getting arrested again. If you haven't figured out the clues yet, you're probably smart enough to watch The Masked Singer But the clues are, I'm talking about ex-quarterback Ryan Leaf, born and raised in that metropolis of Great Falls, Montana. He was arrested on Friday night on domestic battery charges outside of Palm Springs, California. And I'm wondering how long Mr. Leaf lasts at the Alphabet Network. We know we had the colorful pass, which included a two-year stint in a Texas state penitentiary because of his drug habits. And now he's beating up his girlfriend or wife or whoever it is in Palm Desert, California. I wonder how long ESPN will keep the disgraced former Washington State Cougar on its payroll. He was always expendable. Well, for sure. I I mean, I heard he did a better job than people expected, which was. I heard him. Which was, you know, (laughs) like a a low bar, let's say. (laughs) Really, I mean, it was. But. Yeah, you you just you can't change things. The guy, right? He, it wasn't just that he was supposed to be awesome and he wasn't. I mean, he was never a nice person or a nice guy, and that was right. part of it. He was arrogant. He was cocky. The famous, you know, predicting multiple Super Bowls, and then he can't even complete a pass. Like, I mean, it was it was ludicrous. And that type of expectation and ego, as you get older, I mean, he would would fester with him and make him even worse to be around. I'm sure. Then he somehow gets a, a job that I assume was fairly well-paying with ESPN, you would think. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know. Yeah. But, I mean, after all the cuts and all the layoffs well, they better done, than the three packs of smokes he was making in the Texas State Penitentiary. Let's just say that. Well, I guess so. But, uh, I mean, ESPN has had so many layoffs the last few years that you make room for Ryan Leaf, of all people. Yeah. Uh, I would assume Great point. that you're not going to overpay him, but maybe they would. And it's too bad because... ESPN has shown they can do something correctly, which is they can do their 30 for 30 and they can make the last dance. So when it comes to documentary filmmaking, they've shown to have some, I don't know who is all responsible for all these things, but I noticed that on the credits of The Last Dance, one of the credits is John Dahl, who was one of the guys who made Rounders. I mean, yeah, the the very first credit of Rounders is John Dahl. and. And uh, he was instrumental in that movie. And so, I mean, if you're getting guys like that, like from the world of movies, yeah. like, I mean, yeah, no wonder you expect a high, a high standard there. But ESPN should maybe figure out what it actually does well 
and having guys yell at each other and 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 trying to find desperate personalities who you're desperate for them and they're desperate for you but guys like Peyton Manning the quality ones are all saying no to you because they're they don't want to be embarrassed by being associated with you maybe kind of go away from that maybe really focus on 30 for 30s and big time documentaries and and really play to your strengths maybe you should do that and maybe it's time where you need to take less big risks with you know big names or guys that just aren't good enough i i know it, it seems like they can't do anything right they try to bring in a name with ryan leaf it doesn't work they try to have unknown guys like joe tessator or booger mcfarland and anthony they, whatever yes well of course but they i'm going with what they called him which also was inexcusable and shows a complete lack of judgment and they it's no matter what they do they get no names it's wrong they get names it's wrong and they need to figure out a better system there and try to go with some better decisions focus on your documentaries really i mean and maybe that's what they need to do is maybe less just filler content and more of this other stuff i think this is an unbelievably important hire for espn coming up here they've let tessator and booger boy go and i think that is it this might be one of the more important hires for the monday night football franchise that has been around since 1970 and has had iconic people involved with it like al michaels howard cosell going back to the beginning frank gifford and the list goes on. I will not include the former Heisman Trophy winning running back from USC. I will not include him as regard to one of the luminaries that used to be on Monday Night Football. But this is a huge, huge hire upcoming for ESPN. Because I think if they screw it up this time, and already we know that, obviously, Tony Romo said no to them. We know that Peyton Manning has said no to them twice. Um... Your credibility is looking for a jump start here, ESPN, and who you put in the booth for Monday Night Football, I think, is eminently one of the more important decisions that the ESPN family is looking at this year because I would think if they screw this up again, the NFL may have to interject and give the Monday Night Project or the Monday Night uh, franchise to somebody else. I truly believe that. Oh, they should. I truly believe that. Because you're going up against a Thursday night package that, regardless of what you think of of, uh, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman, is better than anything ESPN since Gruden and uh, Tarico left. Since Gruden and Tarico left, um, Buck and Aikman are still better than that. Are still better than that. Um, The Sunday night package with Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth, Collinsworth, which is going to transition. To Mike Tirico and Drew Brees potentially is awesome, uh-huh. which will blow anything ESPN has outside pretty much any of their announcer stables uh, that they have from the Bristol, Connecticut company. So I think this is an unbelievably big hire for ESPN, and I truly believe that if they fuck it up again, I think that uh, the NFL is going to have to interject and potentially award the Monday Night Football franchise to another network. Absolutely. And if we remember, it started on ABC, did it not? Correct. Right? So it's not like it's... it's ABC owns ESPN now. Sure. But I mean, it's not like ESPN is the only actual channel that it's ever been on. It was on actual ABC, the network, in 1970. 1970, Cleveland Browns, New York Jets, first game ever. That's right. Exactly. And that's why they had it uh, again the other... The, whatever, last year or the year before. But anyway, yeah, I think that's something the NFL has to absolutely look at because they couldn't have done a worse job. It's been horrible since Tariq and Gruden. Now, I understand it wasn't their fault that Gruden went back to coaching. Like, no. there's nothing, nothing they could have done there. But 
it is their fault that they let Mike Tirico go. Absolutely. They like, I mean, that was unbelievable. That's just that shows that these people just have no taste. If they were going to offer Romo supposedly the money that he got from CBS, if they were going to offer that money to Tony Romo, then they should have offered that and more to Mike Tirico to stay at ESPN, in my opinion, because of the versatility that Mike Tirico brings to a broadcast. Yeah. Whether it's football, college basketball, I think Mike Tirico could make tiddlywinks sound good. Sure, and and kudos to NBC for not just waiting until they needed a guy, but thinking, hey, we got L. Michaels for a few more years, we'll ride that out, but let's get Mike Tirico now when we can, let's strike while the iron's hot, let's have him for a while, we'll, we'll get, have him waiting in the wings, uh, we'll find someone for him, and away we go. And the thing is, ESPN, even if you... It's tough to find a good team of guys, two guys that have chemistry and work together well. And at least, though, if you have Mike Tirico, you don't always have to find that. He could be the anchor, where you just leave him there. Maybe someone like... You get a, a guy like a John Gruden, who's a lot of fun to watch for so many reasons. He leaves, nothing you can do about that, but then you try and find someone else. And if they don't work, okay, you toss them aside, but you still have that anchor there. You still have Mike Tirico... And, I mean, you can always try and find players, and there's going to be some guessing when it comes to that. Nobody could have guessed. Even people that like Tony Romo, even people from Wisconsin who are complete homers for anything and everything from Wisconsin, no names mentioned. Like me. Yeah, okay, and, uh, yeah. Uh, Nobody could have predicted that Tony Romo would be that great at being color. And right out of the bat, not working his way up, like, eventually he'll be really good. Like, just right off the bat, was it was stellar. And, and likable, relatable, but yet still like, okay, like I relate to the guy and he seems like he'd be fun to hang around and go golfing with, but man, he's a lot smarter than me when it comes to reading a defense, right? So, you know, and, and it's, he was stellar. And I, I mean, if anyone's going to be like that too, it's going to be Drew Brees. And so that's a great bet. And least. you know what? You got to give, while you're giving kudos and rightfully so to NBC, I think you got to give kudos to CBS because they had that established anchor, as you're talking about, in regard to Nance in the booth, mm-hmm. and you put him with Tony Romo, don't make him sit there on the third or fourth group and, and get reps. Screw that. Put him with the first team, let him work it out, and my God, who has been reaping the benefits uh, of the Tony Romo hire more than CBS? Oh, yeah. and it's been awesome. And good for them, and that's great. And I mean, in fairness, I'll, I'll admit when I'm wrong, I said on this show, and I think you did too, but you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I said I didn't agree with uh, Tony Romo going right to the oh, main... I, I totally... I, I know I said it. Yeah. I know I said it. And But now we're saying, you know what? It was good to put him with a veteran broadcaster like Jim Nance, who also is very versatile, yeah. just like yeah. just like Mike Tirico is. You know, he's so classic with his voice with the golf and all that. And uh, great decisions in broadcasting. I mean, CBS always has quite professional broadcasts with CBS sports does a good job covering the NFL Fox is okay. They can be hit or miss, but they're, you know, they're bright and colorful and it usually works pretty well. And, uh, you, all you have doing, and obviously the NFL network usually does a professional broadcast. All you've got left is ESPN and they are trailing in last place. Like they are, they are the baseball of the football broadcasts and they are clearly in last and they're clearly the most embarrassing and they've clearly had the most, internal strife and they've clearly had the most layoffs and the most problems and the most dysfunction and the most rejections Mm -hmm. so you can't you can't even come close to being as inept looking as espn is if you're any of those other entities and they're all just you know running circles around espn so espn needs to get serious and have a serious long-term answer not some sort of hot shot move 
you know, don't bring in like Mike Tyson to be the color guy or something. Like, I mean, let's just, let's get serious. And I, I mean, I enjoyed the whole Dennis Miller thing. I thought it was funny, but I mean, don't no gimmicks like that. Just bring in an awesome broadcaster, an awesome play-by-play guy and try and find a good color guy. And that's all you can do and do your best. But it's just nothing has has worked so far. How do you let Mike Tirico go? That mistake should never, ever, ever be made. How do you let a guy call himself Booger on air and actually call it and have other people do the same thing? That that like these are mistakes that that can't ever be made. If you guess that a guy is going to be good, like if if you get Peyton Manning, the smartest player in NFL history for my money, and then he goes on there and he isn't very good, well okay, at least it was a good bet. But, you know, that's a mistake that can be made. They, like, that's really hard to project, and that's a mistake that can be made. A mistake that can't be made is letting Tariko go to your competition and then just, you know, wax, waxing the floor with you for the next 20 years uh, or, or letting a guy call himself Booger. Those are mistakes that just can't ever be made and have no excuse. Can you imagine an Al Michaels or a Jim Nance? I'm using those, <laughs> I'm using those two. Can you imagine those two, the reputations and the unbelievable career that they've had over decades? Can you imagine either Al Michaels or... Al Michaels or Mike Tirico uh, no, or, or uh, Jim Nance. Jim Nance. Can you, can you see... I'm just doing this because of their age. See, I, memory is starting to go for me, too. But could you see Al Michaels or Jim Nance in a booth with a guy named Booger? I can tell you right now, I believe in my heart of hearts that Nance would call him Anthony... And so would Al Michaels. I do not believe that Al Michaels or Jim Nance would call Anthony McFarlane or anybody booger I don't, on I, the I, air. I think you're right. And and I think I'm going to put Tariko in there too. I don't think Tariko would sit there and go, well, what do you think of that play, booger? I don't, yeah, it's hard to picture any, it, well, it's hard to picture anybody doing it. So never mind those guys. So, and poor Joe Tessitore, I don't know, maybe he was just so happy to have a, a big job like that and probably well-paying and he didn't want to screw it up and he was just willing to do anything because he's not a big name, maybe, but I like but to think But then he that, does that stupid holy moly show on ABC with Steph Curry and uh, Rob Riggle. I'm not familiar with Yeah, that. well, somebody that's as classy as you aren't going to watch holy moly with Joe Tessitore... <laughs> Joe Tessitore and uh, Rob Riggle. Uh, I can't stand Rob Riggle. I, was it Joe Tessitore who would say "bug" like like as a as a way to get around yes. saying "booger"? Yeah. So at least he would. So so that indicates right there that, that he's he got a problem with it. Yeah, right for there, sure. Because he's saying "bug," right? He'd say "bug." Yeah. So he's trying. He's trying something. I appreciate that. At least at least he put an effort in. But yeah, his better thing would have been, "Hey man, can I just call you like Anthony? At least try that way and." Tell people this is just making us look bad. Yeah. Like, you know, it's sad. It really <laughs> is. Sad. Um, but yeah, the the ongoing Booger McFarlane continues on here on Unscripted with Mike and Chris. We've got a run on this 510th episode. Um, another good episode. A lot of things to talk about, and still got at least one, maybe two. Voices feeling just I don't know. It, I don't know. Maybe I'm getting old. I don't know. But anyway, we've got some other things to talk about. Uh, whether we get to one or two more episodes today, we will find out for sure. But uh, for as long as we're here with this 510th episode, we'll put a wrap on this one. Uh, again, remember, folks, please, we ask you to, if you visit any one of our 18 different ways to listen to Unscripted, to the and again, a great job by the executive producer by getting us on 18 different ways for you to listen to Unscripted. Please take a few minutes to subscribe. It's a great way for us to maintain the momentum that we have 
garnered here the last couple of months on Unscripted, and a lot of that is thanks to you and your taking the time to subscribe. Remember, I always say this about Spotify. It's not subscribe on Spotify. It's follow. I don't know. Maybe they got ESPN employees <clears throat> running Spotify. I don't know. Having said all that, we've got to run. Having said all that, for the executive producer of Unscripted, Mr. Chris Fluke, I'm Mike Jansen. Until next time.